The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. It's brought to you by Vodacom Business. Turn your dreams into a growing business. Search Vodacom Business SME. Warren Ingram, America's under new management. Does this provide an opportunity or is it a new risk that we need to think about when it comes to putting money away? I think it's it's probably both in in reality. You know, any new leader who comes in, especially when they when they come in uh, from a different party in America. In other words, we've gone from sort of the the Republican Party, which which traditionally would be more business friendly, you know, in favor of lower taxes, etc. Going to the Democrats, you know, g- generally a bit more uh, anti-business, a bit, a bit more in favor of higher taxes, but more. Uh, in favour of the of of the labour force, you know, remind you of anyone in South Africa, um, and and so it, it, the, the the change there is often that business would hate the the change from the Republicans to to the Democrats. Of course, that that's normal times. Uh, what we've got now is go, going from the wild card of Trump to to kind of a very well schooled, you know, very kind of pre- presidential politician in in Biden uh, who's who's got a long history in in running you know running America I guess you know we're, we're along with Obama for for two terms so so I think the markets are are looking at this as maybe a situation of of much lower risk for a change you know with such a big for, for such a big change in government and I think it's almost you know we're going to go back to maybe not quite business as usual but but hopefully you know from an investor point of view, uh, I know a lot of investors are looking at this to say we, we should have fewer trade wars with China. You know, it should be much more about negotiations and, you know, about adults sitting around a table rather than sort of the petulant tweet, which which changes trade <laughs> policy overnight. Um, and yeah. and secondly, you know, you know that, that that America kind of goes back into the world. You know, and, and part of me, I guess, the idealistic part is hoping you know that that it goes back into being one of globalization one of of global trade and and cooperation and and rather than sort of a protectionist america first policy you know which which to to a lot of people sounds really clever you know we should just protect our own country first but what 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 they miss out on is that uh, you know globalization means you know, better trade terms for everybody, both for the American sitting in America who gets goods at a lower price, hopefully more access to international markets, which, which is, you know, the message Trump just never got, uh, rather than just saying, well, you know, we protect ourselves and, and mess everyone else around, and in which case everything becomes more expensive and everybody loses. So, so I think that that's the one part. The, the second part will be much more immediate and much more short term, which is firstly around the treatment of of COVID as a as a pandemic in America and how the Americans actually deal with it, and, and secondly the the vaccine rollout. On, on the first point, I think we've already seen uh, you know Biden's almost his first action was to put some executive orders in place. One of which is compelling people to wear masks in in the, on federal grounds anywhere in America, uh, and in, and it's amazing to think that that just wasn't you know it wasn't uh, um, kind of a rule you know you just you you could decide you could choose. Um, and, and so I think that just the treatment of the pandemic will, will, will be a lot more strict now and, and a lot more scientific. And, and then secondly, around the vaccine rollout, you know, um, it was quite depressing to hear Nancy Pelosi saying, you know, that the, 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 the previous government under Trump had no vaccine rollout plan. What they had was a, a plan to procure vaccines, but, uh, but they left it up to every state to decide how each state wanted to do it or not. 
Um, and under, under Biden, that's going to change. You know, there's going to be a much more unified process for, for rolling vaccines out. The federal government will get a lot more involved. Uh, and, and hopefully that, you know, that, that gets them to that sort of herd immunity that we keep hearing about of getting two-thirds of the of American population to, to get the vaccine. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to be throwing stones at Trump's um, failure to have a vaccine roll-up policy because I'm not too sure that I'm qualified as a South African to do that. But, I mean, here's, here's the problem. Here's the, the opportunity, and that is that the, the adults are back, um, the grown-ups are back, and we the, you almost feel like, you know, it's not going to be perfect, and America's got its problems, and uh, the global economy's got its problems, and COVID's got it causing adding to those problems. But, but you feel like if there is an opportunity to find solutions, there is a better chance to find solutions now than simply the reactionary bombast of a lunar um, which is what the world has had to deal with over the last, I don't know, four years. Exactly right. And I, and I think, you, you know, two, two, two points. One, in investment markets just in general love love a bit more stability. They love a bit more predictability. Uh, and, and so, you know, the, the kind of Trump style of, you know, throw a grenade at, at a situation and see what happens. Uh, you know, in the, in the early parts of, of his presidency, we, we, you know, we must remember that markets actually liked him. You know, they, they enjoyed the, the, the start because they felt, um, you know, tax rates got, did get uh, reduced and, and, and he was going to be very pro-business. But uh, you know, I think after about 12 or 18 months, they realized they were living in a nightmare. And, and so that unpredictability should, should fade away. And, and that will be very positive for investors. They can, they can make much more sort of long-term predictable investment decisions. You know, markets in the world in general are not predictable anyway, but, but at least they, they won't have to watch their backs, you know, from, from their own president, you know, cutting them off at the knees for, because, you know, he had a bad night or something like that. So, so I think that that's very positive. And, and then the other part is already Biden, you know, integrating America into the world. So, for example, going back into the, the, the Paris Climate Agreement, you know, which Trump, uh, you know, pulled America out of going back into the World Health Organization. I see he's also gone into this COVAX agreement that we're in. And all of that means that uh, you know, you know, the world will look at uh, America, hopefully, from, from a position of, of moral leadership again. And, and you know, but by, not, not for a second saying that, that they have a moral high ground, but, but certainly you know, as, as one of the two superpowers uh, in, in the world, or maybe three, depending on your view of Russia, uh, you, you, know, you need them to, to, mm. to at least know that, uh, that they're pulling in a direction that, that's fairly logical, fairly rational. And so as an investor, I'm saying, I think it's not bad news. What I would say, just to caution, is markets tend to take the news of presidents uh, with a pinch of salt. And, and what happens is you might see a bit of buoyancy leading up to the result and for a few days thereafter. But, but after that, it just washes out the system and it goes yeah. back to all things being uh, normal. Uh, absolutely. And then it comes down to policy and it comes down to whether or not, you know, markets are growing, whether or not value is going to be added and you know what happens to tax rates. I suppose the, the great unknown is the impact uh, over the longer term of the promised uh, stimulus that uh, Joe Biden and Janet Yellen, his Treasury Secretary, former governor um, of the of the U.S. Federal Reserve, um, the, these trillions of new dollars that are going to be printed to be added into the system. So far, um, the the stimulus has been wonderful. It's been like having you know sugar free chocolate or sugar free coke or whatever. Um, it doesn't make you fat. It just makes you feel good. Um, and it's been good for the last twelve years uh, since the global financial crisis. But at some point, geez, there's got to be a consequence. We simply don't know what that consequence will be. 
Uh, I, I'm, I'm very cautious um, of, of saying no, this time it's different, and and so so let's not go down that road. But but one of the reasons why the the, the party can carry on for quite some time is uh, for, for as long as we don't see inflation building within America, the pressure on the on 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 the on the Federal Reserve to to start increasing interest rates just won't be there, uh, and and so if we don't see, for example. A housing bubble starting to form, which we which we're not seeing, and if we don't see, you know, you know, many kind of asset bubbles forming elsewhere, other than the tech sector, I mean, America isn't in in some kind of a bubble state. You know, the the asset prices aren't going crazy, as I say, except for the tech sector, and so, you know, the, the ability for American labor, for example, to to exert pressure where where they start saying, you know, we want to our salaries to rise, that pressure doesn't exist right now. And and in a globalized world, uh, you know that pressure isn't really there anymore because if the American labor market starts to push their prices up too much, all that happens is you know Amer- American companies export their, their their labor to to Asia, to to Mexico, to you know anywhere. And so you know that's been the issue for all along for for American uh, the American labor is that they they just don't have pricing pressure anymore. So so I think that we we're in an environment with with Janet Yellen and and the Federal Reserve where they can work hand in glove for much longer to keep interest rates low for a very long period of time, which is hugely positive for for equity markets, even if we don't see uh, additional stimulus that Biden's hoping for. Because I think. We're going to be back in it. Already we're starting to see the whispers from the Republicans to say, you know, we're not that in favor of new stimulus and additional stimulus, et cetera. So, so there's going to be the horse trading coming in. But even if we don't really see new stuff, it, it still could still be very positive for Americans just if, or and the world then if we just keep interest rates low for, for you know, the next four or five years. Okay. Very, very briefly then, how does it affect me sitting in South Africa? Um, does it mean that I take advantage of a, a, a more favorable RAND environment and I take every spare penny I have and I throw it at the S&P 500? I, I would say uh, you, you take every cent that you have and you make sure you keep paying it for debt first. And, and secondly, don't ignore the JSE. Uh, I, I keep... I keep looking at, at at these big fund manager presentations, and if I look at their expected returns from from South African shares uh, over the next five years and global shares, when you price them in rands, they, they look about the same. They're expecting about the same return, which is becoming increasingly positive for the JSE. So what what I would say is, you know, split the money equally. If you you know if you've got an extra you know hundred bucks or a thousand bucks, split it you know you know half to the world uh, markets and and half to the South African market because I think. Uh, I've said it before. I'm going to keep saying it for a while. That this is the decade of emerging markets, and 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 you know that will benefit us. And you know Biden kind of bringing sort of adult politics back to the table. That can only be positive uh, for, for for emerging markets as well. Okay, Warren. Thank you very much indeed. That is the big topic. Then I got an email from Bongi. And Bongi's got a question. And Bongi's question, I think, will resonate with a lot of people um, because uh, we're, I mean, even though we're in the midst of COVID-19 and it's the scariest pandemic in 100 years and it's all terribly frightened, uh, Bongi says, I'm a single 28-year-old. I have no children, but I do have some investments and a property. I'm currently working and belong to a pension fund. Someone told me I need a will. Why? That question needs an answer in a moment or two. The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram.
So Bongi is in a pretty good space at the moment. Bongi has got a job. Bongi is part of a pension fund. Bongi has no children. Bongi is being told that they need a will. Um, You've got no dependents. Why do you need a will when life is fabulous, Warren Ingram? It's uh, you, you said it's it's a question that will resonate with a lot of people, and I think you're absolutely right. Uh, when I when I do talks to to kind of groups of people, I always ask them just by show of hands who has a will, uh, and and I would say about fifty percent of the people in an audience will, will, will put up their hand, and and I, I, I'm going to have to figure out how to do that uh, online nowadays. But uh, the, the the reality is that uh, if you've got any asset, and and that could be a laptop. I'm not, I'm not saying a house. I mean, anything. If you own any possessions, uh, it, it doesn't matter that you're single and you have no financial dependence. You need to tell somebody in a legal way what to do with your possessions. And, and if you don't, what, what happens is you're leaving it up to, to basically a government official and, and, and in no way saying that they're, they're corrupt or something like that. That's not the case. I don't believe that's the case. But, but they are overworked and, and under huge pressure and that's before COVID. Add COVID to the mix, it's a whole different ballgame. But you're leaving it to government haven't officials. haven't a foggiest idea what you might like to have to happen to your stuff. Exactly. And so, and so now they've got to make up, uh, make up their minds on your behalf. And if you've, if you've not told anybody legally, because that's a, it's one thing to say to everyone, this is what I'd like you to do in a conversation. Unfortunately, that has zero standing. Uh, when it comes to the law, so so if there isn't a, if you haven't found a legal way to tell people what to do, then it, then basically the the legal phrase is you you die intestate, and it's now up to someone in the master's office to to make up their, their their minds on your behalf. And what happens is you leave behind an incredible mess uh, for for the, for the people that you love, who now have to you know deal with the the, the, the admin and the hassles of all of this. And, and so no matter what. Uh, you know, no matter who you are in life, unless you're, you know, under the age of 18, different story. But if you're over the age of 18 and you've got possessions, you absolutely have to have a will. And in, in Bongi's case, you know, if you've got a, a property and you've got investments, you, you know, that, that means you've got stuff that you that you of real value that you can leave to someone. And so not having a will, you leave behind a mess. The likelihood is, you know, someone sells the, you know, makes a decision to sell the property on your behalf, gives the money to your third cousin that you really don't like uh, because they, you know, they, they plead some sob story that you were the person that was looking after them financially, even if it wasn't true, and, uh, and, and off you go. You know, and, and, and so you leave behind this, this terrible mess. So, so the reality is everyone over the age of 18 needs a will no matter what. Uh, and and you know even more so if you've got possessions, and then even more on top of that, I can't say more so on top of more so, can I? I don't know what the phrase is, but 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 if you've got children, absolutely, it's almost criminal if you if you pass away without a without it's a, a human, will because it's a human rights abuse. I mean, it's it really is a human rights abuse. Thank you, Warren um, Bongi. You've been schooled. <laughs> Go. And tomorrow, get a, will. <laughs> get a will. Please get a will. In a moment, I want to know from you, Warren. Uh, we always give you a little, uh, a little challenge, and we find um, common phrases from the world of financial services, and we get you to translate them from finance to English. Tonight's one is a living annuity. I would like to know from you, please, what is a living annuity? That in a moment. The Money Show. Personal finance with Warren Ingram. Okay, Warren, so what is a living annuity? 
When you re retire from a retirement fund, whether it's a company pension or a retirement annuity or a provident fund, the law says uh, you know take you're allowed to take one third of that as a lump sum from your your retirement annuity or your pension fund. So no matter how no, so if you've got a, a fifty million rand pension pot, um, you can take a third of it, or if you've got a fifty thousand rand pension pot, you can take a third of it, right? Exactly right, yeah. And, and you might pay, especially the 50 million, you might, you might have to pay some taxes on that one third, but, but, but you're allowed to take the, the, the one third. Uh, the balance needs to go into, into a form of an annuity. And, and there are really two types. The one is a, what they call a guaranteed annuity, which is a, a, a fixed pension that you get from, from the, the provider who says, we'll give you, you know, a certain amount of money every month for the rest of your life. And it, you know, it hopefully will go up with inflation, but that's not guaranteed. And, and when you die, you, you either lose the, the, all of the, the remaining money or only half of it gets paid to, to your spouse. But, but after your spouse passes away, it goes away. The other option is, the, is then what they call a living annuity, which, is, which basically gives you a lot more control, but also a lot more risk uh, around your investment. So you would take that two thirds and you would invest it. Uh, it would go, it would then be able to pay you an income. The minimum you're allowed to take from that on an annual basis is two and a half percent up to a maximum of 17 and a half percent. So, so you know, if you've got the money, you can say, right, I'm I'm going to be be prudent, and I'm only going to draw you know three percent a year, uh, and and also you get to decide how that money is invested. Usually, your your range of investments is 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 unit trusts, but it could be anything from a money market unit trust to a hundred percent in shares. I, ho I hope that you don't do either of those, but but uh, also a lot more um, allocation to global investments if you choose. So, so you know, in a in a very kind of brief basis, that is what a living annuity is. The, the, the difficulty why I say that it gives you a lot more control, but also a lot more risk is a lot of the time people, when they retire, the, the first thing they do is they draw 10 or 11 or 12% or, you know, sometimes horrifically 17 and a half percent from their living annuity. And unfortunately, investments don't grow at 17 and a half percent a year. So they erode their capital within, you know, sort of eight or nine years, and then they've got nothing left. So, so living annuities are great when, when, when people make sensible decisions with their money, both in the way that they invest and the way that they draw, uh, but can be terrifying if, if they are reckless in the way that they invest or the way they withdraw from, from, from the investment. I think that is a great summation. Thank you, Warren Ingram. Uh, Warren is a personal financial advisor. He's executive director at Galileo Capital. Tonight, we looked at living annuities. We looked at why Bongi needs a will. And we looked at the future of markets with the U.S. under adult management once again. That is it from The Money Show for this evening. Thank you for joining us. Till tomorrow. Good night.